Welcome to the Atomic Nutrition Podcast. On this show, I'll be diving deep into the world of nutrition coaching, giving you the do's, the don'ts, and the how-tos in running a successful, scalable nutrition program. I'm Erin Hurst, and I can't wait to share what I've learned after over a decade of doing it myself. On today's episode, I want to talk a little bit about speaking in absolutes. So this is an interesting topic because... With nutrition specifically, I think that we tend to always talk in absolutes. And I guess what that means is I actually did an exercise with um, my clients today on one of our, we have a group coaching call and I did a, an exercise. I told everybody, Hey, um, I would like you to go into the comments and in about, you know, give me one to two words. Um, and just as a response to this statement, um, and the statement was, is chicken breast a better option than a Big Mac. And I'd be willing to bet you could probably guess what 99, well, actually every 100% of the responses were. And that is, yes, was the responses. Everybody put yes. I think one person put um, sometimes or almost all, almost always, um, but by and large, every single person put yes as their response. And see, when I asked that, I knew that that's what they would respond with. I knew that they would say, yes, chicken is a better option than um, a Big Mac. But the interesting thing about this is that that's actually a flawed way of thinking um, because that answer in and of itself is very, it, it's a, a flawed thought, thought process. Um, usually the answer to that would be most often yes. Um, but take for instance, your client is allergic to chicken. Would chicken still be a better option than a Big Mac? No, absolutely not. It would not be, right? Um, there's a lot of cases. What if the chicken is five days old? Would that chicken be a better choice than a Big Mac? No. Um, but for some reason, when we, when we, a lot of times when we talk to clients, we speak at them in absolutes. Um, and I always think it's important to remember and to reverse back. Um, I think the answer to almost everything when it comes to um, nutrition is always, it depends. Now, that can kind of be a crappy answer. If somebody asks you a question and you say, oh, well, it depends, <laughs> right? You don't really want to answer with it depends. But truthfully, that is probably the most accurate answer you can give somebody when they ask you something. Now, what spurred this question was um, I saw a post on Facebook. And of course, like any, <clears throat> any good um, nutrition person, I got highly triggered about the post. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I actually am fairly even keel when it comes to, um, you know, getting upset by stuff. I'm, I'm pretty easy going. Um, but this particular post, it, gosh, it just really, um, it upset me for a number of reasons. And the post, I'll kind of explain what the post was about and then kind of why I came to this discussion and why I wanted to bring this into this episode today is because, um, the post was actually regarding, um, sugar and it, it compared sugar to cocaine. Like the, the picture was like cocaine. Um, and then it's like an equal sign in sugar. So basically the, 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 the idea here is that cocaine and sugar are essentially one and the same. Um, and the post specifically was about addiction. Now, um, in the post, there was some information about how sugar is very addictive. And um, the only way that you can be successful, um, if you have an issue with eating um, processed, refined um, carbohydrates and sugar, the only way you're ever going to be um, able to lose weight and to keep the weight off is to never, ever, ever again, touch sugar or, um, refined carbohydrates. 
And in no uncertain terms, this post was stating that not even one bite, never, never again in your entire life, you have to give up sugar, you have to give up refined carbohydrates, and never again in your life can you eat those things because it is an addiction. And just like out in, in this is what the post said, that just like alcoholics, they cannot just casually have a drink and just like recovering addicts cannot casually do cocaine. Um, because the minute that you do it, you're automatically going to have a relapse and you're going to go down that downward spiral again um, with the sugar and you're, you're never going to be able to have self-control. Now, <laughs> that's very much speaking in absolutes, is it not, right? So what this, what this post is saying is that sugar as an absolute is addictive. Sugar as an absolute is bad for you. Refined carbohydrates are bad for, or refined carbohydrates are bad for you. And, um, and they're basically the same, no different than any other addictive drug. And it's even worse though, because, um, you know, at least drugs are illegal and sugar is actually, and refined carbs are actually, you know, recommended by the FDA. So that's what this whole post was about. Now I take a lot of issues with a lot of different things in this post. Um, but number one, it's that you never speak in absolutes. Okay. Because there's always going to be, um, situations that don't apply. Now I might say things like by and large, by and large, like this is the way things go or most often, or, um, most of the time, or usually speaking, or generally speaking, like I will use those terms so that there's an understanding there that there's still a window or still a sliver of a population that might not meet that, that standard or that requirement or, or that absolute. So what I might say is, is chicken a better option than a Big Mac? Usually, but not always. It depends. Um, is our processed foods usually not as good for you as whole foods? Most often. Yeah, sure. Probably most of the time. Um, but the question is, is never going to be as simple as yes or no. Um, the answer is never that simple. If you had somebody who is dying of starvation, would a chicken breast be a better option for them or a Big Mac? Probably a Big Mac because it has like a thousand calories in it, right? Again, um, now, is that usually the case? No, but it doesn't matter. It's just training your brain to not seek absolutes, not think in absolutes. That way, when you are discussing things with a client, you can discuss them from a position of saying, okay, well, more often than not, it's this, but perhaps it could be this. Um, it's a way of thinking and a way of, of structuring your coaching to where you're never alienating a client. Um, and so that is like tip number one, or that's like issue number one I take with this post and kind of why I wanted to, to um, talk about this today. Now, the second thing um, that I think is really, really, really important, if not even more important to talk about, um, is the, the narrative that's being told about you cannot ever, ever have sugar again. Whether, okay, replace sugar with soda or replace it with, um, I don't know, chicken for all I care. Replace it with anything. To tell somebody that in no uncertain terms, they can never, ever, ever eat something again or they will not be successful, um, they, that they will fail and that they will just end up just the fat, miserable person that they are for the rest of their lives. Oh my gosh, this is just such a terrible, terrible narrative because my goal as a coach and your goal as a coach, every single coach out there that coaches nutrition or any type of health, your coach should always be to get your client to take the next step. What is the next step they need to take to become a healthier human? 
What is the next step they need to take to become a happier human? What is the next step they need to take to live a more balanced, successful life? That's always going to be the question you should be answering. Now, imagine all the people that this that saw this post. And this person is somebody who's theoretically respected as uh, a knowledgeable authority on the matter. So if I'm, you know, Joe Schmo, right, I'm just some average person and I don't work out and I don't really eat well. And, but I follow this person and I see this post, I think to myself automatically, well, I know that I'm not going to be able to never, ever, ever touch sugar again. I know that when my kid's birthday rolls around, I'm going to have a slice of cake with my kid or cheers um, with a champagne toast at my daughter's wedding, whatever, you get the idea, right? So if, I, if, I, if you're telling me that no matter what, if I ever have another piece of sugar in my life, then I'm immediately going to go down this downward spiral of you know, gaining all the weight back and, and completely failing. I have no incentive to actually start. There's no incentive there for me to, to say, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to do that thing. I already know I'm going to fail. And it's not because I, I don't have faith in myself. It's because it's an unrealistic measure to set, right? To tell somebody, and okay, I'll also say, I'm not going to speak in absolutes here because if you are somebody that magically or for whatever reason completely would end up in the hospital after one bite of sugar or refined carbohydrates, then sure, it would be reasonable to say that you should never eat those again. But for 99.9% .9 of the population, telling them that in order for them to get healthy and to get fit, that they can never have sugar or refined carbohydrates again, you are alienating like every person out there. You're alienating anybody who thought, maybe I'll take a step towards better health. Maybe, just maybe I'll start that health journey. Now you've just convinced them that there's no way they could ever be successful. And ultimately there's no point in even starting, right? And let's just say that they do decide to say, you know what? Sure. I'm going to give that a go. And then tomorrow they end up having that cake. Well, now you've just confirmed, they've just confirmed to themselves that, yep, they're not any good at this. So they're going to quit. If you understand where I'm going with this, it's like right there, alienating an entire group of people who might even be just slightly interested in taking that step towards better health, just said, no, never mind. Not for me. Not for me. I'm going to fail. It's fine. It's fine. I'll just stay like this. I'm good where I'm at. No. No, it's never about trying to take somebody and convincing them that they have to take massive action to change anything. It's about telling somebody, hey, dip your toe in. I'm not going to ask you to dive headfirst into this really freaking cold water. I'm going to tell you, hey, let me just get you to dip your toe in a little bit. Just, just check out the temperature. It's not so bad in here, right? Dip your toe in. And then once they get that toe in, it's like, cool. Now can we get that whole foot in? Okay, great. Now you got your foot in. Well, what do you think about just going up to the knee? Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, I can get to the knee. Okay. It's like, it's like that old saying, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So right now we just tried to shove an entire elephant down somebody's throat. No, we're, that's never going to work. If you can just pause for a second and think, how can I convince somebody to take just one tiny step towards better health? And if we can just keep doing that over and over and getting them to take one tiny step at a time, we can eliminate most sugars and refined carbohydrates aside from like fruit and vegetables from their diets, we can do that and they can make the choice to do it on their own, but they're still going to live a life, right? They're still going to have cake on their daughter's birthday or, you know, um, a champagne toast at their 20 year anniversary. And it's not going to be an issue. You know why? Because 
it's not really the sugar in the first place. It's all of the things that led to them eating the sugar in the first place that's causing the, the sugar addiction. Now, my, the third thing I'll talk about is I, I, I tend to disagree with this whole sugar addiction kind of thing. So with things like cocaine, your body actually develops a, a true tolerance where you have to now consume more and more and more. And if you consume too much of it, you're going to die immediately. And if you stop consuming it, when you are already consuming a very, very, very high dose, you might also die. You're never going to die just from like, okay, no absolutes here because if you're diabetic, maybe, but you're never just going to more than likely just peel away because you just ate too much cake. All right. So that's kind of a silly, a silly thing to compare a B um, you know, the withdrawals from going off of sugar, probably maybe a headache for a few days, but generally speaking, you're going to feel better. You're not going to feel worse. All right. Um, you're not going to have like a, the type of withdrawals you have with, 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 um, with actual drugs and alcohol, like with sugar, that's just silly. Um, so comparing it and saying, well, it's just as addictive as those other things is, um, that's a bit of a stretch in my opinion. Now, can people be addicted to, um, the reward center of their brain, you know, clicking off the minute that they start consuming those chocolates? Yeah. But you know what? It's also probably triggering out some like feelings of, regret, um, feelings of self-worthlessness, you know, if we can unpack some of the things that's causing them to end in this cycle of eating these, these things to a degree where it's overdone, if we can start unpacking those things, like their lifestyle habits, their why, like, why are they eating? Who are they eating with? Where are they eating? Um, when are they eating? If we can unpack some of those things, we can figure out why they're eating this sugar and these like refined carbohydrates in the first place. Maybe it's that they didn't have any structure to their day. Maybe they woke up in the morning and they were like, oh my gosh, I didn't plan my breakfast. I got to get out the door. They snooze, snooze three times. So finally they get out the door and, you know, they're driving and they're like, okay, well, um, shoot, I don't even have time, you know, to, to eat. So let me just roll through Starbucks. And so they're like, okay, I'm going to go through Starbucks. And, um, oh, you know what? Ugh, gosh, I guess I'll just get the, the um, breakfast sandwich. Okay, cool. Well, now you've got refined carbohydrates. So, you know, if you're, if you're in the other boat that I'm saying, don't be in. Um, well, you just failed, first of all. And, and second of all, um, you know, you ate that because of your lack of preparation, right? Because you didn't plan out like, wait, when am I going to eat? What am I going to eat? Um, where am I going to eat? I didn't think through those things ahead of time. So if I can help my client live in a more proactive state in their life, um, I fix the issue. It's not always about the specific thing your client is eating. I, that's kind of what I'm getting at here is it's, we can't look at things in absolutes, Ever. We can't ever, ever say, and that is an absolute fact, an absolute statement is never look at things in absolutes because most things are not. Um, don't paint a picture for your clients or be so dogmatic in your narrative that's telling them that they are destined to be failures. Otherwise, they have to take this massive, massive action. Um, you're likely not going to win any people with that effort. And A, B, um, you're probably going to make more people feel like they are destined to fail than helping anybody take that next step. Um, next, help people take tiny steps. Always think of tiny steps and always consider the narrative of what the person who you're speaking to is understanding and learning from what you're saying. So if you're a nutrition coach out there and you're putting out content online, please be very careful about how you um, associate um, food with with addictive substances, because here's the thing. Um, there's a lot of emotions around food and you don't need to trigger people up at all. 
Um, we eat for a lot of reasons that has nothing, have nothing to do with hunger. And if you don't believe, if you believe that food is as simple as what goes in your mouth and that's it, um, then maybe kind of wrap back around to the idea of habits um, and food as it, as, as it relates to culture, food as it relates to your, um, your emotions, food as it relates to uh, your social circles. Uh, there's a, a lot of reasons why we eat. Um, and be mindful of that because when you start making um, suggestions about, you know, food, certain food groups being akin to um, extremely addictive, uh, very, very dangerous substances, um, I think you might be towing over the line a little bit. It's not to say I'm like a huge sugar proponent. Hey guys, go eat all the sugar. I'm not saying that either. I'm just saying that I think there's better ways of speaking to your audience that says to them like, Hey, come check it out. Like, come, come try it. You know, just, just little, little effort here and there, marginal adjustments, right? Marginal improvements where we can just take and just take one tiny little thing and shift it. And before you know it, it's like James Clear in Atomic Habits says 1% better every day leads to 30% better at the end of the year. Who wouldn't want to be 37% better, but we can never get somebody to take that 1% if the narrative we're spewing is that they're going to be a failure. So my charge for you today is go out there be amazing client-centered coaches always consider the, the position that your client is sitting in now and how they might be hearing what you're saying and then avoid talking in absolutes as most often as possible. And just know that the answer is usually always, it depends. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Atomic Nutrition Podcast. You can find more information about the Atomic Coaching System at getatomiccoaching.com. And if you found value in this episode, please make sure to like and subscribe. Happy coaching. Bad call.